0: designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers, so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best-kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue-generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. On today's episode, I've got James Bodden, who is the director of Outbound View and founder of the Lunch Break Media Group. I'm super excited to dig into... uh, what you guys are doing at Outbound View and talk about everything sales and your sales journey. So let's jump right in. Tell folks a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your sales journey this far.
1: Oh man, it's been been a journey for sure. And Colin, I I, want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to join you today. I'm always excited to talk uh, sales and geek out about sales. So uh, for me, uh, I, I started in sales now 12 years ago. Uh, I went to a 2-year audio uh, full sale type school. So I was done with college at 21. Uh, it was also 2008, Ooh. which was a fantastic time to graduate college and enter into the real world. Mm. So I quickly found all of my little internships and all these little things that I had set up at the beginning of the year go away, uh, by the summer. And during that time as well, some personal things happened. My mom, who I was living with uh, at the time passed away suddenly. So my life was like turned upside down. Right. Um, by the summer of 2008, I had no clue what I was going to do. Uh, you know, I had now had to support myself. I had to do, you know, all this stuff was going on. Uh, And I was lucky in many ways, right? I I was not cast out into the streets by any means, right? I mean, (laughs) thank God my mom had life insurance and things like that. But, you know, my, my life was much different than I thought it was going to Mm. be, right? I thought I was going to live at home and do some audio internships. Um, and so like many people, well, I, I just was clueless about because I didn't go to a four year college. I didn't have a great network. Mm. I had no clue how to go get a job other than like looking in the classifieds. This is when you still looked in the classifieds yeah. and walking around and like driving around Raleigh where I live, uh, looking who's hiring, trying to find who's hiring. I mean, that's what I knew. Which to at do. that so time I was, literally walking was not a lot of people, right? Oh, no, no. I mean, it was a horrible time. I, and, and, you know, I also had no clue about that, right? I was a college kid. I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. It was like, why isn't anybody hiring? I have no clue. So I was walking through the mall. I saw that Radio Shack was hiring. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, all right. Well, Radio Shack, maybe I could use a little bit of what I went to school for. That would make me feel better about mm-hmm. myself. And at the time, I had been a camp counselor, uh, like an after-school care camp counselor in college. So I was still doing that part time. Started working at Radio Shack part time. That was the only thing that was available, mm. and that was my first, I guess, sales job. Okay, right? Um, from and, and you know, completely no plan. That led to working there full time. Worked there for about a year. Obviously, uh, was not happy about what I was doing I wasn't jazzed up to be right. there I wasn't excited to go into work every day but I met while I was working there I met somebody who worked at the Verizon kiosk down the hall you know down the way yeah. and he just put some game on me right I mean he was just like look if you're going to be here doing this thing working retail working at the mall why don't you Go do something where you can make some money, okay. right? And so he kind of opened me up to the idea of a sales job that was a real sales job where you could earn some commission. And so that led to me working at the AT and T kiosk in the same mall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my first kind of real commission based sales job. Um, I worked in retail for the next five years in the wireless game worked Sold cell phones for pretty much every major carrier. Then I got tired of not knowing what a weekend was like. (laughs) Um, And the retail schedule being super brutal and the culture being less than ideal. I learned a ton. Yeah, Definitely cut my teeth, but I was ready for that next stage. So I got into B2B sales. Luckily, somebody I knew got me a job at a paper company selling paper to car dealerships. Wow. Uh, And that was my first foray in inside sales. All right. So let's did some other, let's, let's, yeah, yeah, I can pause there. Let's
0: let's back up for a second. I just want to, before we get too far along. All right. So, I mean, 2008, you graduate, your mom passed away. That's, I mean, that's just like turn your world upside down, so i can 't even imagine the emotions going on at that time, really just trying to figure out what am I going to do? You know this is not what I expected and and then you know landing into retail sales and uh, you know a lot of people and something you said that, that kind of stood out to me right, and I find that this is common a lot of people are actually doing sales before they actually get their sales job, they just don 't realize it right, so something that stood out to me is you said you 're a camp counselor right so you 're you know, camp counselor, you're not selling, you're not making commission, but you are selling kids on following the rules or doing the next activity or doing things a certain way. Right. So you're already dealing with like that psychological part of sales, um, of motivating people to do things. Um, Mm -hmm. just maybe not getting paid in the way that you should for that skill. Um, for sure. So, and, uh, okay. So then you, and then you go into, to B2B sales, um, and you're selling paper. I mean, I started out selling, uh, printer, printer cartridges. So we kind you know, <laughs> I understand the struggle, right. Um, yeah. um, and you know, and, and, then, and that first job sales job, like literally we had, I wouldn't even call it a CRM. I don't know what it was. It was a database that didn't work and we had a script that was horrible and a list of names and a phone and that was pretty much the training. Mm-hmm. Um so tell mm-hmm. me I'm I'm keen to hear a little bit like, you know, what was your what was the training for selling paper?
1: Very similar half a CRM. Uh, You know, the one thing, though, that I had, I was lucky because the the VP of sales that was working there, he was a young guy. It was actually a company based in Virginia. uh, And they had moved to a set that basically this office in Raleigh was just going to be their sales office. And it was this new team that they were building out. He was this young, very ambitious. He was like the top sales guy of the company ever. Mm -hmm. Right. That story. Right. So he was super motivated and tried very hard to get people uh, on the right track. And we had half a CRM, but that was really because we just couldn't afford a whole CRM. Right. And we had a lot of roadblocks just being a very small business Mm -hmm. and and a growing one at that. But the the intention was right. So what we didn't have in the CRM Mm -hmm. and what we lacked in a good script and some looking back at it now... You know, laughable attempts yeah. at enablement. Um, I mean, some of the intention was some there.
0: of those things like the lack of technology, right, can actually be a benefit because the organization mm. is really driven by sales. There's little or no or not very good marketing (laughs) or efficiency. Like it's just brute
1: force sales, right? Um, Like smile cold calls. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, try and close them on buying a case of paper the first time you speak with them type thing, right? Um, Or no, I think in in that space,
0: you don't want to sell a case. You want to sell a pallet, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was an interesting... Uh, job in a lot of ways. I mean, I was a full cycle inside sales rep. So when I did sell a pallet, it was managing the transportation and making sure it showed up, and nothing ever showed up. All yeah. right, and the the customer success afterwards. And for us, it was car dealerships. So you you win one, and then you want to win the rest of the group, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's really how you the whole reason we were doing it. So it was a great masterclass and low tech inside full yeah. cycle sales right i mean um and for me within a couple you know 6 or 8 months um was asked to be a manager there and so that was cool right i mean i was definitely uh f- you know just flying by the seat of my pants but um abs- raised my hand and was willing to do it and spent the next year there <clears throat> helping them build out a team and very similar to what happened to me in at radio shack somebody that i worked with there pulled me aside and was like hey mm. if you're going to work in inside sales <laughs> you should go work over here at this company this recruiting company i used to work there i still know people that work mm-hmm. there they're making you know 400 500k a year <laughs> and so i did some research i did some checking out and everything he said checked out and so i we put the feelers out, went through the inner interview process, crazy seven interview, two day interview process, like 4% of people that get interviewed, get hired. Right. Um, but I made it, I got there. And so I was all of a sudden a physician recruiter calling gastroenterologists to get them to book jobs at remote areas of the United States (laughs) It was a little little more complex than selling paper. Yes. And it was a complete for me at the time, two years, two and a half years into my inside sales career, a complete money move. Like I'm going here to make money. I don't care what I'm doing. I'll learn it. I'll figure it out. No passion behind it. Nothing. I lasted 10 months. Mm. (laughs) Right. Never made more than base salary, sat right next to a guy that had worked there for 10 years and was making half a million dollars a year and ordering Mercedes Benzes on the phone. But I was very far away from that level, right? Learned a lot, had a great manager that totally knew I wasn't right for the gig and totally <laughs> helped me make a graceful exit. But uh, that led me to my first sales development job. And that's really where I feel like it tur- I kind of turned the corner in my uh, B2B career. Mm-hmm i've spent the last four years in in sales development and building out teams and now working at outbound view it's a culmination of everything i've ever done right and it's um, working with a team of really, really smart and talented inside sales pros that just have been doing it for a long time and know the nuances. And we're building a lot of cool tools and right. working gonna, with a lot of fantastic we're clients. Gonna, we're so. going to dig into that stuff. Cause that's the stuff we want to talk about. But before we
0: do, sure, yeah. um, I want to back up just a second. So what do you think some of, you know, a couple things, right? So you talked about, you got into sales in 2008. I think that, you know, the financial situation of the current times, you know, we're pr- looking at kind of a similar situation. People are laying people off, Very you know, similar. what, yep. what, and, and, but, you know sales is what drives revenue for companies so there's always going to be sales jobs right so there's always. a lot of people that maybe are just getting into sales or maybe are going to land in sales or fall into sales as a lot of people like to say because that's <laughs> the jobs that are going to be available um what would yeah. you tell folks that are you know kind of in that place similar to yourself in 2008
1: yeah i think folks like myself that graduated college and got into the working world and got into sales around that time have a unique perspective because I understand and can see, I was always told this, but now I've been able to see it. These things happen every 10 years, Mm -hmm. every 10 to 15 years, we're going to see some sort of thing happen that makes things tough starting your sales career during one of those and learning how to maneuver through it. I mean, it wasn't pretty for me. I wasn't yeah. making a lot of money. I was I mean, on food stamps uh, at a certain point. I mean, it's not glamorous at all, but I always had a job. Mm-hmm. I was never unemployed. I was never unemployed. Since I started in sales, I've never been unemployed for more than maybe a month, right? I mean, that that and that's not something that everybody in every profession can say. So my perspective on this is look, if you're starting out now, it's going to be a grind. You grind right through it. But think about being in a way different. Like, how can you put yourself in a position to be ready for it in the next 10 years? And that's what I was thinking about last, you know, when I was going through it. I was like, okay, what moves do I need to make over the next five to seven years to make sure that when this thing comes back around in 10 years, I'm not working for, you know, x amount of hour, you know, dollars an hour and scraping to get by and this I have the same mentality now, right? I'm in a different position than I was during the last downturn and how do I make sure that I'm even more insulated from uh any, you know, being as effective as I I could be. And that's all through sales, Mm -hmm. right? That's all through the different sales jobs and growing in your career. So I think you have a unique opportunity to learn how to grind through a really tough time and then feel really confident about your ability to like be very prepared for the next one and, and, and put yourself consciously and intentionally in positions where, all right, I'm not going to have to worry about this next time. It sucks now, but I won't next time. Yeah, no,
0: I have another qu- a follow-up question to that. So, and I, I know from my own personal experience, right? So, you know, being in the type of sales that you were in, like, let's go back to the selling paper, right? That full cycle yeah. sales rep, brute force selling, good old fashioned, hard work, low tech, um, you know, type of sales rule. What do you think some of the things that you obtained well in that role that have molded you as a
1: salesperson throughout your career? Oh, the, the, it was absolutely, I was fortunate. I was working with people who weren't new at, at inside sales. So they were seeing the things that I were, was doing. We were all sitting together, bullpen, no barriers. Yeah. It was everybody heard everybody. It was on purpose. Um, and so they would, and I hated it at the time, but they would pull me aside and say, look, you sound way too nervous so like a lot of the things that i learned there were about just your demeanor yeah. on the phone the importance of just taking a breath and realizing not it's not a big deal yeah. you get you get to hang up they're yeah. poof gone yeah. when you hang up right not to take yourself so seriously so a lot about mindset yeah. learned a ton about mindset learned ton about hey just because you had a bad day yesterday doesn't mean today is going to be bad, and just because you had a good day yesterday doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be right. good. That whole equation that you have to kind of understand and and wrap your mind around. So it was a great foundational thing for me to then go on and work in jobs where the phone's been just such a critical part of success. Yeah,
0: no, I couldn't agree more. I mean my my experience was similar to that, right? Like I learned a lot of I learned some bad habits because they're more of like the old fashioned ways of selling where it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you don't really care about people much, but you care about your commission. (laughs) And it's 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 really just, hey, you throw out an offer And if they don't, you know, if they don't buy, if you don't close them, you throw out another offer. If they don't buy, then you change the subject and then you throw out another (laughs) offer. And if they don't buy, then you get a commitment for a future order. Right. That was really, that was the script at the time. Right. Which, you know, um, but the things that I did learn were very similar to yours is that mindset of like not taking things so seriously. Like, you know, that some Mm -hmm. things that still stick with me today was like, you know, hey, some will, some won't next call. You know, and it yeah. really taught me yeah. to like not take it so seriously because you're going to get way more no's than yeses. And the yeah. sooner that you realize that and you don't let, let it affect your emotional state or your mindset, you can just trudge forward and, and really continue on um, without letting that discourage you. Um, so things like that really stuck with me, similar to your experience. So now I want to dig into a little bit more, you know, current time. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, what are you seeing... You know what have you seen? You know change in sales. You know there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are really on board with this more you know authentic selling. This really you know having empathy more you know really putting people first over profit, which is a bit of a which is a bit of a transition, right? That's not how the old dogs did it. That's not how you and I mm-hmm. were taught. Um, but that's mm-hmm. what seems to be working more. And there's just more and more sh- people shifting to that way of selling. So I'd like to see what your thoughts are on that, and then talk a little bit about. You know the tech that people are using, and what you're seeing, and and things like that.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think there's two levels to it. Um, on the very tactical approach side, empathy, compassion, not having commission breath. <laughs> those are all. I mean, those are all things good salespeople have been doing forever. Let's be honest. They're, that's it's nothing new. If you go back and really listen to folks like Zig Ziglar, um, you know these classic, or even read books from the you know 1920s, uh, <laughs> some of these core things about really providing value for your customer and caring about your customer—they've always been said. So great salespeople have always been doing it. I think what's changed is the leadership and the way that we think about and want to be seen as salespeople. It started with the internet, because at one point, salespeople were the holders of all knowledge. And so that gave us a platform to stand on and allowed us to use those powers for evil Mm. much more often than... We even have the opportunity to now. I, th- I mean, a salesperson can't lie today. Yeah. If you lie, they'll go Google it and figure out that it's a lie. So we're almost we've almost been forced with technology to become more transparent and become more human to human focused. I think it's fantastic, but but do you think it's also it's like a- part of the evolution of a salesperson, right? Like take, for example, somebody
0: like me or you, right? Who just fall into sales because frankly for me, it was the only job that I could get or the only people that were right. willing to give me an opportunity. I didn't go to college. I barely made it through high school to be honest. Yep. And yeah. sales was it. Like what else was I going to do? Is either that or make minimum wage. And you know, then you start to get a little bit of success and then you do mm-hmm. acquire that commission breath where it's just like the first time you're getting a little bit of taste of money and you start to acquire little small bad habits or a little, you know, willingness to compromise to get that sale. And, you know, it creates this monster, right? And then at some point you're like, Hey, this is not, this is not authentic. This is not who I am. This is not, this does not make me feel good. And you kind of transition to, you know, more of that sales professional than that sales, maybe slime ball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's I had an interesting experience because during those phases early in my career, when I was being taught those types of things and I was kind of conducting myself that way, I wasn't making a lot of money. Mm. (laughs) Right. I mean, it wasn't necessarily garnering me massive paychecks. I mean, I was doing well in the realm of making $8 an hour and <laughs> selling cell phones. But, you know, when I moved into the B2B world was kind of the time where uh, I started doing more personal develop individually um, and reading more books and just kind of ho- learning more holistically about what a successful professional business to business salesperson is like. And, uh, you know, I found that the more, the more I got away from, uh, how can I make money off this person? And how can I help this person? I I made more money, Mm. right? And so for me, it was, that's always been actually tied very closely together in my career. Like as soon as I made that flip mentally, it was like, Oh, okay, got it. Understand now because I'm not always so worried about my money, and it's not a point of stress. And I'm not forcing things to happen. Yeah. I'm doing the right things for the right reasons, and it and it seems to be working out. I think that that was a lesson that was very helpful for me, um, and something that I think a lot of people deal with, right? When you just because you're using all the tactics that the aggressive sales mm. trainers tell you to use, I mean, you if you you're selling cell phones, you're still not making 200 grand a year. I promise. (laughs) You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what But there's something about
0: humble beginnings that really, you know, you get some huge, you know, there's some huge benefits in that rather than just, you know, going into a good job market and landing a, you know, six figure salary job with, you know, in sales, you know, with all the fancy tools. I mean, there's, there's a lot of learning lessons. Any other way. Yeah. There's a lot of learning lessons that go along that path that I'm extremely grateful for
1: hmm Gratitude was going to be the word that I would use. It just gives you such a thick layer of <laughs> gratitude and other people are yeah. complaining and you're like, Hey, I'm just happy to be here yeah. next. Yeah. You have no idea <laughs> you know?
0: where I came from. This is like, you know, and, and that's, you know, goes back to even just, you know, my personal journey. You know, I had a kind of a tough upbringing as a kid, I was raised by a single mom. My dad was never around and things like that. But you know, there's so many things like in business or in world, It's just like, Oh, this is cake, man. Like, this is mm-hmm. like, I'm yeah. just so yeah. Based grateful. on
1: what life's handed me so far. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, uh, bring the bring the bring on the cold calls, oh, please. Yeah. I to this day
0: <laughs> still make cold calls because I actually enjoy. Yeah. it. Like I love starting and building relationships from nothing. Uh, it kind of it, kinda, it mm-hmm. lights me up. And some people, you know, there's a lot of gurus out there, that are, you know, land all these sales with no cold calls, and it's like I like cold <laughs> calls. Don't take that away from me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, look, there's always going to be and and to kind of. Look at what's happening now, and and you know the work we do at Outbound View. We're at at our core an outsourced sales development company, so we're working with different early stage companies and in different industries to help them crack the code on Outbound. And so, you know, for me, uh, you know, you mentioned things like technology, yes. We use technology. We use the power dialers and the auto assisted dialers and we have the email sequencing and all of those, the base tech stack, yeah. right? Uh, but the success and the progress and the measured growth that everybody wants to see in outbound is never. Have, it's never got anything to do with our technology that we're using. It's just not even. Uh, I mean, yes, it needs to be there, and if we didn't have it, that would be an issue. Yeah. But the things that we see and that I see, because you know my role here at Outbound uh, View, I'm you know I'm an account manager, right? So I'm helping. I'm working hand in hand with our clients, making the calls, hearing what the prospects are saying. Sometimes. This companies have never made cold calls sometimes they've they're trying it out and it didn't work or they hired somebody else and it didn't work and we've gotta you know there's always different yeah. things to figure out. but the thing that I think a lot of people and a lot of early stage companies miss the boat on is regardless if no matter what you do if you're running cold outbound motions, making calls, sending emails you're going to find things out. Now, it may not be what you want to hear. I think that's the issue, right? You may be too early. You may not be actually solving a problem that anybody cares about. The people you thought cared about the thing that you built don't care about the thing that you built. I mean, some kind of harsh realities. But when you're early stage, it's an interesting opportunity to use outbound sales as really a way to collect data to help you... You know, iterate and build a better product and build your business and scale. I think it's a massively overlooked piece of running outbound plays. Oh, 100%. Um, You know,
0: yeah, I I, I agree with that so much because, um, you know, the, the, the core of outbound is, you know, I think there's two things, two parts to this. So when people put all of their eggs in one basket, like outbound, and they think that that's going to get them where they need to go, that's a huge misconception. Like, a lot of times, whatever you think your results are going to be based on the outbound efforts, you probably need to scale that back a little bit. Um, and, but outbound is a long-term play, right? So yeah, you're going to get some wins along the way. But like you said, you're getting that feedback, right? And I'm a big, big believer in feedback because you're going to get in outbound, whether it's sequencing, email, cold, LinkedIn, phone, all of, a, all of the above, getting the people to that say no to give you feedback is so valuable. It's almost equally as valuable as the people that say yes, because yeah. you use that to craft, to adopt, to change the messaging, and then once it's really cranking, once the outbound is just really humming along and working well, until it doesn't <laughs> at some point, right? Um, Inevitably, th- yeah. always. Then you can <laughs> then you can spend some money on ads. Then you can craft your messaging. Then you can like do some rebranding or whatever to really convert better. Like that feedback is so valuable to collect in order to. To move forward and really move the mark, or you know, pour some fire on it or some gasoline, um, you know, whether that's paid ads or anything else. But like outbound is a low cost way to really get the feedback that you're looking for to take your company to the next level.
1: Absolutely, and you know what we we work with companies on that aspect of it, building out those processes, learning those types of things, setting the meetings along the way, and some folks have you know have. Three out of the four things that you need really to figure it out already figured out when they come to us. So we're, yes, we're probably setting more meetings for those folks that are more early stage. But, uh, you know, another part of the work that we do here, and it's something that I love doing is, uh, we, uh, run training, right? So we'll work with our clients and we'll work with salespeople and. Uh, you know, on kind of some foundational parts of building pipeline. And, you know, we talk about cold calling and emailing and discovery calls. And when I, it, it, we were talking earlier about the shift in mentality, yeah. right? Compassion, more compassionate leadership, better leadership, more enablement, all those wonderful things. It hurts my heart when, when, you know, I'm training with individuals that aren't, that are coming to our training programs one to one, right? Outside of their company, because for whatever reason, they're not getting it at their company. Mm-hmm. These things are still happening, right? So you could have all the technology in the world and you could even build out all the processes in the world, but You know, I'm still talking with reps that are being told. You know, when they're coming to leadership with problems, they're saying, "Just have the right mindset. Mm. Just go for it." Mm. What kind of advice is that? You know, so it's like, uh, for for yes, run the outbound, get the technology straight, do the experiments, collect the data, but then also you got to have the leadership that's the real deal and it's walking the walk that understands how to get on a tactical level with the people doing the work. I mean, it's gotta be the whole piece. Uh, every little piece has got to be there to really make it work. Cause, um, I know reps that work at companies that have a lot of those things figured out, but they're missing the boat on the leadership part or the training part. Right. And really making it real for them. So it's an interesting thing. It's a tough thing to do and it's fun work for us, um, but it's not easy to crack the code. Oh yeah. No, I agree. (laughs) And
0: I think, you know, from my experience, a lot of times, you know, the, the leadership, you know that that has that sort of mentality, right? Um, or even just any sales professional, right? Once you get to a point where you think you know it all, right? Maybe <laughs> you finally landed that leadership role, and you've maybe worked your way up, or maybe you got handed, maybe you deserved it, maybe you earned it, maybe you didn't. I don't know. Oh yeah, but, for sure. You know, yeah. as a, wherever you are in 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 the organization, you know, whether it's at the bottom or the top, you know, once you stop being open to learning. And that's a big problem. Huge. In any sales role, you know, you, you you can't ever be in a place where you think you know it all. Um,
1: Mm. (laughs) because things, things change, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we're, we're reminded of that often in the work we do, right? We, we, Look at stats on a weekly basis and very quickly, it's like, all right, well, whatever we were doing last week is not working this week for whatever reason. So it's a experimentation is something that we kind of live and die by here. It's like how many different things can we be testing and trying and constantly, you know, we really try and run our teams like agile software development teams. Right. Mm -hmm. How agile can we be? Right. Let's run sprints. Let's do experiments. Let's be quick to pivot. Yeah. Uh, that was always the worst thing. I hated it when I was an uh, individual contributor and we were all screaming that things were wrong and they all and the board and the executive team would say, we hear you got it. And then it would take four or five months to get it implemented. And then it's a moot point because the market's now shifted to this next thing. You know, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Like, and Man, if you're not agile, it's a problem. And, you for know, sure.
0: a lot of these a lot of this automation a lot of this sequencing a lot of these you know things have kind of you know as as, as much as i love them and, and they're good there's some there's some negative aspects to them as well i don't know if you'd agree with that because you know people are stop, people have started to stop paying attention to a lot of that stuff because if it's not super personal which is hard to scale or automate you know you're not standing out from everybody else you're not breaking through the noise
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, the it's it's a dangerous fine line with the with the sequencing and the automation at scale and things like that. I'm still a believer of it. I still think that there's value in being uh, personalized to the persona. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody cares if you know where they went to college, but if you maybe know a few things about what they might be struggling with. Maybe yeah. that's relevant. I think we're seeing email down right now. Response rates for obvious reasons with everything going on. Yeah. Response rates are low. Phone continues to be like the analogy that I use is emails is like fishing. You're just casting the line out and waiting. Cold calling is like spear fishing. You're stabbing it into the water and it's much messier <laughs> and you might get bloody, but yeah. you you could literally just grab one. Right. And yeah. and if you're in the right spot at the right time with the right technique, you're probably more likely to walk away with a fish than you are just waiting for it. Right. Yeah. Or at least quicker. Find yeah. It out and, quicker.
0: I, and I think that people, you know, Need to know, like, there's no silver bullet, right? You don't want to put all your eggs back, None. eggs in, in, in emailing or cold calling, or you know, you got to hit them everywhere because you just never know which channel is going to resonate with what person at what time. It depends. There's yeah. just too many variables to think that you know. And, um, you know, you, you got to really just use everything at your disposal, especially in times like
1: now. Yeah. Omni channel is the only way. You have to. It's just the, you know, there's a, um, a book that I read when I got into sales development called Outbound Sales No Fluff by Ryan Reisert and Rex Bibbertson. They talk about target, message, channel, timing. That that's the formula for outbound. Target. Who's your target? Is it the right message? Is it the right channel? Is it the right time? and you're constantly trying to nail down all four of those at the same time to 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 you know boom it's all locked together meeting set mm. or three out of four send some information follow up in 2 weeks cuz timing was off yeah. right or Two out of four. I need to stop emailing directors of HR and email directors of Total Rewards or you know whatever it is. It's like that formula is what you, I'm. You know we're all trying to constantly nail down.
0: Yeah, and then it starts working. It works for a while, and then something changes, and you gotta switch it yep. up. Yeah, yeah. All right, the Rubik's cube changes. <laughs> you gotta try it again. <laughs> uh, James, thanks so much for coming on today. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, before I let you go. Um, tell people where they can connect you to, where they can learn more. And also,
1: every guest that comes on has got to bring some freebie for people. So let people know what you got for them. Okay, cool. So um, I, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's the best place. Uh, James Bodden, easy to find there on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you know, my piece of actionable advice for folks out there, um, just really quickly experimentation. Uh, If you're running outbound, you have to experiment. I'd be happy to talk to you about our experimentation boards. It's literally just something we do in a spreadsheet. It's not like anything you'd have to pay for, but it's a cool thing that we do for our clients that helps. Happy to talk about that. Another cool free thing that you can go check out is check.outboundview.com. it's a really cool free tool that we just released. uh, And it allows you to find your contacts that you've got in your CRM and link them on LinkedIn. Find them on LinkedIn really easily. doesn't cost a thing to use. Um, So yeah, we're trying to do all we can here at Outbound to help you crack the code on cold outbound. Um, It's tough, but we're doing what we can. And and Colin, uh, thank you so much for allowing me to come on, man. This has been great.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it.